Welcome to Beyond the BEO, the event planner podcast. I'm your host, Shannon Doe Nicholson, and this is episode one. This episode is brought to you by The Right Stuff Agency, making your business sound as good as it looks. Today, my guest is Romina Kwong, a sustainability consultant, environmental expert, and the owner of Eco-Friendly Events. She helps event planners craft sustainable events without breaking the bank, all while ensuring a great attendee experience. In this episode, she shares how event planners can host eco-friendly events, avoid greenwashing, and get back to sustainable basics with the three R's. Let's get into it. Hi, welcome. Thank you for joining us, Romina. So I just wanted to kick it off with allowing you to introduce yourself for those that you know aren't familiar with your work and what you're doing. If you could just give us a rundown on who you are, what you do in the events world. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So my name is Romina, and I'm the founder of Eco-Friendly Events. And I initially started my business because I saw a huge gap between the events industry and environmental sustainability. So I work with event organizers and find ways to implement green initiatives in a holistic, realistic way, because I understand that we don't always have budget for things. Yes, that that is a really interesting place to start, actually, is the budget, because I think there's a big misconception that, you know, doing things green or doing things more sustainably is always going to cost you more money. And I'm sure you can tell us whether that's true or not. So how how do you, you know, advise your clients on using sustainability to really stay on budget? Yeah, so the it is a huge misconception. So doing something greener doesn't always cost more money. Sometimes, yes, it's more of an upfront cost or investment, but doesn't always like not, not, how do I say this? It doesn't increase year to year. So a good example, how I start is figuring out what you value first when it comes to environmental sustainability. So I know that a lot of corporations just want to be as green as possible, but sometimes things conflict. So for example, if you want to support local businesses, that's usually within your city, province, country, state, etc. But if you're looking for things that are made of an eco-friendly material like bamboo or palm leaves, for example, we don't really have that available, at least not in Canada. And so then it's not supporting locals. So you really have to pick and choose and figure out what you care about within environmental sustainability first. And then from there, I'm able to support you and guide you in figuring out how we can do that with your venue, your suppliers, et cetera, et cetera. Perfect. So it really sounds like it's really about, you know, values and not trying to be all things, because I think that that's often where people get overwhelmed is really- that's where the overwhelm starts. (laughs) For sure. Like they think that they have to do all of the things and, you know, it can be overwhelming to think, okay, well, are we- offsetting here? Are we using renewable energy? Are we using renewable food sources? Is that sustainable? So I think I think it's really important, you know, even personally, when you're looking at trying to be more sustainable, exactly. really focusing in on um, the values. I think that's a great, a great place to start. And so, you know, with starting, like, where do you normally come in with your clients? Are you, are you usually coming in right at the beginning from the outset or are you usually brought in later on as things are getting more developed? So where where do you fall in there? Usually I get brought in a little bit later once there's already been some planning done. In my ideal world, I would be brought in from the get-go so we can start with 
before selecting your venue, before you've decided on your caterer and that sort of thing. So we can figure out A, what your values are, like we mentioned, but then what kind of questions and conversations do we need to start having with those vendors, with the event, in order to align all on the same page. And if we need to make any adjustments to contracts, um, requiring certain things from people bringing things on site and things like that. So it's definitely easier when I'm brought in from the beginning, but can definitely still help when it's in the middle of planning as well. For sure, for sure. I think in the planner world, we're always we're always trying to be as early as possible. We're, <laughs> we're used to doing things in record speeds, but it's always so much easier when you're focused from the beginning. And you mentioned venues and kind of your suppliers. So I'm assuming that you're really helpful with your clients to find those venues that really match what they're looking for? Or is it, you know, really coming down to the contracting? Like, how do you kind of guide your clients in that way? Yeah, so it's a bit of both a combination. If they are looking for recommendations, that's what I've been doing in the last, I guess, couple of years is networking my butt off and figuring out who is doing implementing green initiatives and who is maybe on there in the process. But it's also once you have your venue selected, for example, there are still questions and conversations to be had with the venue talking about what their waste management is like, if they are using energy efficient infrastructure, if they are in using like alternative sources of energy, like solar panels and stuff like that. So we can still have those conversations afterwards or even by having those conversations, it's influencing and telling those vendors, hey, we are interested in this. And it's maybe something you need to think about in implementing in your own spaces. For sure. I think that that you're 100% right that it's the planners that are demanding these things, you know, as we're seeing in all areas of sustainability, it's usually the customers that are asking for these things. Mm -hmm. And it's based not always, but sometimes on the suppliers wanting to attract new customers that they're seeing this need and the customers really asking, you know, these are the things that are really important to us. These are the things that are going to make and break us that, you know, it's not just about the size of the room or it's not just about the type of food that you're serving mm-hmm. or the type of decor that you're using. It's it's how do we make that more sustainable? So, you know, we talked a little bit about how you get on your venues and other suppliers on board, but how do you think planners can really get other stakeholders on board? So whether that's the attendees or clients, if they're, you know, a third party planner or they're as leaders in their organizations, how, how are you seeing planners or how are you positioning the need to be sustainable with those groups? My whole philosophy, a little bit doom and gloom is that we all live on one planet and without that planet, everybody who enjoys their career and their life, it's like you won't be able to enjoy those same things if the planet doesn't exist. So you need to prioritize it in some way or another. And it's about having those conversations about changing one or two things, kind of going back to budget where it's not all about making the event as eco-friendly as possible right from the get-go. It's what are a few things we can change this year. And if it's an annual event, then how can we make improvements year to year? And it's introducing things to our attendees. So for example, at a festival or something like that, where it's like maybe you have some reusable containers as a 
option and attendees can see that and be like, oh, that's really cool and start adopting that. And then some people will still take the single use disposables, but you can introduce it more and more. And as attendees see it, then they're more willing to accept it and be like, okay, this is a thing. For sure. For sure. I think that really leads into a a big question that I I had. And unfortunately, I'm going to use the C word, but COVID. I mean, we're still in the thick of it. Things are still changing so quickly. We, you know, I'm sure even by the time we release this, there'll be new updates and lots of things changing. But, you know, how do you see COVID impacting sustainability efforts on events? And, and, you know, how can we get people comfortable with change, the, the way that we're changing going forward when we had to bring in so many disposables and so many different un eco-friendly options during COVID, how do you think like COVID and going forward, it's going to to look? Well, I definitely think that it brought us sort of like 10 steps backwards because like you mentioned, we had to bring in like gloves, masks, and all these single use items. But I think it also really put front and center how many single use and disposal items we have in general at events, not just all um, the items related to COVID. And I think a big question I like to ask everyone or get everyone to think about is all of those single use items, you think they're clean and everything because it's wrapped in plastic, but you don't know how many people actually touched it or if it fell on the floor in the factory. Like you don't know where reusable plate or glass, you know it's been through the industrial sanitization machines and you know that they're clean and sanitized properly. So that is something I encourage everyone to think about and to ask your venues or your um, rentals, how they're washing and what their process is like, and you know to start bringing those back. So instead of doing a buffet, for example, you can have everything already plated and get everyone to just pick up that one plate. Sure, for sure. Yeah, I think it will be interesting to see how how the events change and what stays, what doesn't stay, you know. And I, I think that you make such a good point of this idea of we think we know what something is or where it came from or or the sanitation process along the way. So I think that, you know, leads me into something, another issue I've been thinking about is, you know, what, what are the other misconceptions, you know, around sustainability? Like, what are people saying that's not really accurate? You know, we're, we're also overwhelmed with information. There's obviously so much coming out about climate change and, you know, people really trying to do better in a sustainable way, but there's just so much information out there. So like, what do you think are some of the big misconceptions? What do you think people should be kind of watching out for? Anything that's labeled green or eco-friendly, there isn't a ton of like labels that are backed by government regulations or anything like that. So that is a ton of like greenwashing. So just be mindful of if anything that looks like a sticker or a label. I'm going to take it back to what we learned in elementary school, the three R's, reduce, reuse, recycle. We all think that just because we're recycling, we're doing our part and it's great, but unfortunately 80 to 90% of our recycling doesn't actually get recycled. And the three R's are actually a hierarchy. So you're supposed to reduce first, reuse, and then recycle. So it's not just jump to recycling and pick one of the R's. So that's something that I think everyone needs to be a little bit more mindful of is let's look at the first two R's before we recycle. And then 
just because, for example, in Canada, we're hoping to ban single-use plastics. I saw an article recently that it's not going to be until the end of next year. But just because you're getting something compostable, yes, it's a better option because it's made from generally a natural material. But unfortunately, a lot of our waste management companies don't accept those items into their like green or organic spins. So that's something to be mindful of as well is where is something coming from, but also where does it go at the end? For sure, for sure. So I think, I mean, you touched on a few things that yeah. really made me, <laughs> made me think, but you know, I think I'd like to get into a little bit more of greenwashing because I'm not mm-hmm. sure. I, I think most people are probably familiar with that term. We're becoming more familiar with that term, but what what is it exactly and, and how can we really avoid doing it? You mentioned you know, kind of watching out for labels and things like that. But what are some, what are some words or or labels or things we should be looking for that make us think, oh, this this might not be what I think it is. Yeah. So greenwashing, by definition, is basically an organization, company, business, etc., that is marketing themselves to be eco friendly or green when in fact their practices don't line up with that. So. It's a it's a bit of like confusion, but really there's a lot of companies that, for example, like in skincare or makeup, you'll see like natural as like the the word to look for or green or eco-friendly, compostable, biodegradable. And not to say that these words are bad descriptions, but there's no like formal standard for any of these words. So something to look into is actually asking these organizations what does that actually mean for your particular organization? Does it mean, does natural mean you're only using ingredients that you can find on the planet or is it synthetically made or man-made? And so it's things like that and just asking questions and not just, just because they said that they're green doesn't mean they are. You have to dig right. a little bit deeper. Yeah. Right. And how do you think planners can avoid greenwashing their events? You know, you gave some great examples of how to, make sure that your the products that you're buying but i think that you know oftentimes if we're trying to pitch an idea or we're trying to convince people of either going a more sustainable route or wanting to market in that way for marketing directly to attendees so how can planners really make sure that they're not falling into those pitfalls that that some large organizations are are known to do (laughs) Yes, definitely hire an expert, whether it's myself or somebody else is just somebody who can do that digging for you. So for like going back to what I mentioned earlier, any of the recommendations that I will make to clients is because I've done the research. I've called up those companies, I've emailed them asking and digging deeper to figure out how green or sustainable are you really in your, your practices. And then I'm feel much more comfortable making those recommendations. So hiring an expert, but then also just if you're trying to introduce, I don't know, compostable items instead of a plastic item, can you order a set for maybe just like the VIPs and test it out there versus for all of your attendees? So my approach is not all or nothing. It's just, can we introduce a little bit, get people kind of wondering and questioning and asking questions about it and getting curious and then increasing it as we go year to year or however the event how often the event repeats itself for sure for sure and i i think you know you mentioned the reducing and the reusing which is such an 
I, like you said, those are the things we're supposed to be focusing on. But in our minds, we always think, oh, recycling. Maybe yes. just because it's, we see it everywhere. And I have it's a lot also of the easiest option. Exactly. And I have a lot of questions about recycling, but, you know, reducing and reusing, how are you, you know, guiding clients on, on how to do that? You know, we, we want things, you know, I think in the industry or just at events, people want things to look full, you know, they want the floral arrangements to look full, they want the buffet tables to not look picked over, we want to give people the latest and greatest of the giveaways. So how do you kind of guide your clients on reducing and reusing and, and what are some, you know, kind of things that are really easy, some really easy wins on, on that side. Yeah. So for reducing is sort of like the best question to ask yourself all around is before you're purchasing something, before you're going to rent something is asking yourself, is this absolutely necessary for the event? Like, will the event be in shambles if you don't buy this one item? I understand aesthetics is really important, especially for things like a wedding, but it may not be the case for a meeting or conference. So asking yourself, do you absolutely need it? And if the answer is no, you're already increasing your green initiatives, like you're already doing better. And then for reusing is if you are spending money for floral arrangements for this one area of your conference, or maybe it's like for a gala, can you repurpose it and reuse it? So maybe it's at your registration table and then you reuse it in the dining hall because you have time or transition to move the pieces. Or maybe you're investing in my biggest pet peeve is the attendee badges, especially when they're sponsored with a bunch of logos on it, is can you get plain black ones and offer an incentive for attendees to return them at the end of the day or the end of the conference and then reuse them for the next year? You can wash them, sanitize them, like wipe them down. And so those are the things that we want to start thinking about and really considering is, yeah, do you need the thing? And if you do, can you use it again and again or can you reuse it at least once more during your event sure that those are some great ideas of just you know repurposing like if no one is going to be back in this room we don't need to leave all the decor in there you know and it can be tough if you've got you know tight uh turnaround times but i think it's but then build that into the question the schedule right like if you're thinking about it ahead of time build that extra time into the scheduling you've got so much so much great information and you know when you were talking about the reducing and reusing really the the reusing i know that there are some you know charitable organizations that will take things after events is that something that you can help clients with to to really know where either food can go i know some places can donate to core um you know things that or you know all the pens and pencils and things like that like is that something that you can help with as well so that you know it's you know maybe the event is a one-time thing or we don't have an easy way to store all this stuff for next year can you help planners find partners that can can make sure that it is being reused yes definitely so there's a few in toronto specifically but they also spread across toronto where they if you arrange ahead of time no matter how like small the amount of food leftover is or whatever, they will make sure it gets donated to an organization in need. And then same thing with like floral arrangements and all of the like little like giveaways or the things that you like get in like a swag bag, all the swag, Mm -hmm. um, all of that stuff is, yeah, first, can we reduce any of it? And then B, yeah, let's find places that we can donate it to, whether it's a school or something like that. Yeah, for sure. And it is tough, right? Because, you know, we talked about wanting things to look full and not look picked over and not look like 
we didn't bring enough or do enough or have enough, but it's this delicate balance of making sure that you don't run out of something, you know, particularly with giveaways, like at a trade show, it can be so difficult when you don't know the exact number of attendees, you don't know how many of them are coming through the trade show floor. So really, you know, I think also understanding what did you give away last year? Did anyone count what was left over or did Mm -hmm. we just bring it back to the office or the, or the warehouse and then finding other uses for it within either within your organization or with uh, other organizations. Yeah. And like for things at trade shows, like for whatever reason, I know the pens seem to be the best things. Like some of the best pens I've had are from those trade shows. But to start rethinking about what it is that's going to be helpful for your audience. Like, are you just giving away stuff for the sake of giving away stuff? Or maybe potentially thinking about rather than spending that money on swag, can you donate it to an organization instead that's supporting climate change, that's supporting a charity, and create signage for that and let your attendees know, hey, we're not actually giving away stuff this year because we've actually put this money towards an organization. And a lot of people appreciate that. I know some virtual events that I worked on in the last year, rather than speaker gifts, we just donated um, money in their name. And they were like, this is great. Like we fully support this. We don't need more stuff. So it's just a conversation to be had and start rethinking how we plan events, especially because we've had to pause with COVID. For sure. That's true. I think, you know, the COVID pause or, you know, the time can give us time to rethink things as we go back, right? Because nothing's going to be exactly as it was, you know, in February or early March of 2020. So how can we make it better? And I think you're right. There is, you know, conversations about just having less stuff. I know even recently at a virtual holiday event, we were talking about gifts and how gifts are getting even more and more difficult because people don't want more things that they're not using and they don't want more plastic and they're trying to reduce. And so it's this delicate balance and how the, you know, the donation is a great option for really acknowledging someone. And particularly if you know that, you know, your speaker or your volunteer or whoever it is that you're donating on behalf, if you know there's a cause that's really important to them, I'm sure that in most cases they'd prefer that over, you know, a, a gift that might not have as much thought behind it. And I think, I know that I went to a conference one time where they did a, you had to do a little golf putt into a, a fake little mini golf. Yeah. But if you, depending on where the ball went, they did a donation and increased the harder that the the putt got. And it was really just a great way to have people stop, talk to the people at the booth. It was very interactive. interactive. It was yeah. it was fun. It went to a great cause. I didn't need to leave with something plastic that I would probably leave in my car for several weeks after the event. (laughs) So I think, you know, it doesn't even just need to be, you can get creative even with the way that you're giving it. So how are you going to give it? How are you going to engage your attendees in making them feel like they're part of the giving, right? I think that people, you know, they want to be involved. Like it's nice. Yeah. You put up a sign that says we're donating X amount, but how do I feel connected to that? I think is, um, is really important. Yeah, definitely. And to take it back to why I would love to be onboarded from the beginning is even starting with your registration, asking questions of like, which charity would you want to support? Asking your attendees that, but also when you get their addresses and stuff like that, then you're able to figure out how far they're potentially traveling from to your event, which is helpful with offsetting because with travel, it's a little bit more difficult with 
flying and that sort of thing to reduce that impact there. So definitely from the beginning, there's so much that we can do. For sure. And so I think actually, you know, you mentioned offsets and some people know what it is. Maybe you could go into a little bit more of that and explain really what it is, how, again, you know, we talked about greenwashing earlier. How do you ensure that you're using the right offsets and making sure that it's, it's really offsetting and not just, you know, more performative? What are things to look for there? Yeah. So let's start with the definition for people who don't quite understand what carbon Mm -hmm. offsets are. So the idea is with the amount of carbon emissions that are released from your activity. So whether it, so let's take your flights, for example, me flying from Toronto to California and um, the amount of distance and amount of carbon emissions that I've traveled, offsetting it is you're investing into things like tree planting, a wind farm, solar farm, in order to basically balance out your carbon emissions. So the trees will extract, you'll pay for so many trees to extract the amount of carbon that you've basically caused to release into the atmosphere and it'll like take it back in or away from the atmosphere. Some of the huge misconceptions and some of the things that are really sad are some of these organizations that are doing the tree planting don't necessarily plant trees. Sometimes it's just a helicopter or a plane dropping seeds onto a piece of land and for every seed they count as a tree planted. And if anybody knows anything about plants or gardening, you know that just because you plant a seed doesn't mean it like becomes anything all the time. So things <laughs> I don't... know anytime I've planted something, it, it doesn't often become something, at least not what I expected. So yes, yes. Sure. So that's something to be mindful of is to ask these organizations how they do it, what they do, and are they getting local communities involved to take care of those trees? Because if you are like me have created a healthy plant collection, you know that they need to care. You can't just leave it and it won't thrive by on its own. So that's something to be mindful of. And where is it that they're planting trees and what kind of trees are they planting? Are they planting native trees or are they planting some foreign, like a palm tree in the middle of Ontario would make no sense, right? So <laughs> it's things like that to be mindful of. And I know sometimes it, it's going a lot deeper than maybe you're thinking of and you're like, okay, we're we're planting trees and that's great. But it is something to be mindful of to make sure if you want to do it right and you're not just greenwashing and saying we've done this just because it's the thing to do. It's not trendy. It's, it's, it's the right thing to do and you should do it because of that. That's, that's perfect. I think that's great because you're right. Like it does take that extra effort, but really you don't want to be supporting something that's not what you think it is. And, you know, particularly if you're telling, you know, your leaders or attendees or clients that you're doing something and then you find out after the fact that, well, it kind of was that, but it didn't really have the impact that we thought it would. I think that's something that, you know, you, you as a consumer would want to know that you're, you're getting the, what you think you're paying for, for sure. So, so I know that we're getting close to time, but I do have a question about recycling and I don't yes, want to forget for it, it because <laughs> I feel like we were so into the recycling and all these other great things. But I think one of the biggest challenges I find, even personally, is that I'm pretty good at knowing what I can recycle in my own community. Yes. But then I go to another community. I even, even from where I live to where my office is located, is a different recycling program. Correct. And what's accepted. So how do people 
wrestle with that? How do they figure that out? Do you really need to rely on the venues? Is this something that we should be looking into? Or really, are we just like, let's take away the focus from the recycling and really focus on the first two R's? So focus on the first two R's and really it kind of aligns with compostables and organics. So once you've booked your venue, whether it's indoor or outdoor or whatever, you need to talk to the waste management company that services that building or the space that you're holding and ask them what can be accepted and what cannot be accepted. And once you have a really good idea, you then need to relay that information to all of your vendors. And I know it's a big job, which is where I sort of come in and help you with that process is once you figure out what it can be accepted, you can then say to your vendors, okay, you can only have these things on site or you take it off site with you because these are the only things that can be tossed into our bins. And then same thing is relaying it to your attendees and even maybe having signage behind all of the bins about what can and cannot be brought on site. And the beautiful thing about an event is that you can kind of tell attendees, hey, you can't bring your Tim Hortons coffee inside. Or if they are allowed to, you know where the cup goes, where the lid goes, and where the sleeve goes. And hint, hint, most of the time the cups (laughs) cannot be recycled because they are lined with plastic. They are not just paper. (laughs) Yes. I think that was big disappointment to a lot of people thinking they were doing the right thing. Or I know I, you know, back in high school worked at the mall and the recycling and the garbage hole in the food court garbage bins went into the same bin. So people thought they were making this great choice of recycling or sorting and doing all this stuff. It went into one big garbage bag. Now this was a long time ago, so hopefully things have improved. But, you know, I think that's a great point of, you know, speaking to the waste management company to say, what what are we doing here? What are, what is happening to the stuff? What what can we do to really keep the recycling process clean? Because otherwise, if you, you know, junk it up with a bunch of stuff that's not supposed to be in there, it's all garbage. Going to the garbage, yeah. Right? Exactly. So, right. So I, I think, you know, some great great takeaways. You've left us with so much to think about, you know, so I think we'll just, we'll wrap up and and ask you, like, is there any kind of great tips or, or, you know, big sustainability mantras that you want to leave people with and have them, have them really think about when they're planning out an event? Yeah. I'm going to go back to the three R's and focus on the first two is reduce. What can you reduce? What do you absolutely need for an event? And can you reuse any of it, whether yourself at the same event in future events, or can it be donated to be repurposed into something else? And then thinking about recycling and organics. So that's sort of my focus and figuring out what your values are, following those three R's and you're off to a great start. That. That's perfect. Thank you so much. So where can people find more about you and your organization? How do they say, oh my goodness, Romina, I've learned so much and I'm overwhelmed and I need your help. How do, how do, they, how do they find you? Yes. So my website is ecofriendlyevents.ca and you can find me on social media on most of the platforms at ecofriendly.events or email me directly, Romina at ecofriendlyevents.ca. And I would love to chat and learn more about the events you have coming up and how we can implement green initiatives together. Perfect. And we'll be sure to put that all in the show notes. So thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. We really, really appreciate it. And so we've learned so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. 
Thank you for listening. Join us every other Tuesday to hear a new episode. We'd love to know how you're making your events more sustainable. Tag us on social media and share your thoughts. If you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening. Until next time.